In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Beloved in Christ, I greet you on this fifth and officially the last Sunday of Great and Holy Lent. This is the last Sunday of Great and Holy Lent, leading us to the final week of Great Lent, which, of course, precedes Lazarus Saturday, Palm Sunday, and Holy Week as we journey together to the Feast of Feasts. Great and Holy Pascha. We redoubled our efforts this week. The powerful service of the Canon of Repentance, the Canon of St. Andrew, during which we read the life of St. Mary of Egypt in full. And if we hadn't yet plunged into the waters of repentance this season, the Canon of Repentance places right into the center of the troubled waters, like the waters of Siloam, stirred not by an angel, but by the Holy Spirit. The tumultuous waves of wisdom hit us so hard, and we bowed low over and over again, realizing that we can never bow too often or too low. I scandalized everyone, I think, a little bit at the end of the service, because I said, that was service was so long. Man, even during the beginning, I was thinking, when will this be over? Of course, I was teasing them a little bit because my point was that the sheer length of the service reminded us that we're not to find ourselves fighting against, but submitting to the waves of repentance that batter against us as we fight against our own egos, the mind wanders, especially during a long service like that. The mind wanders. It selfishly asks, when will this end? And then we're met with the response, it doesn't matter. What matters is that I've only begun to repent. My wandering mind and my inattention makes me all the more aware that I need to submit myself to the waves And say, not just once again, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me. Which we said probably over a hundred times during that beautiful service. In this canon of repentance, this masterpiece of biblical exposition, the soul was invited to liken itself to virtually every biblical personage from which we could eke out an image of repentance or non-repentance. For those of us who weren't capable of drenching the floor with our tears, we offered our efforts, our sweat, and our sighs. It was truly a feast of repentance, and our legs are still sore. The story of St. Mary of Egypt reminded us all the more that even the most depraved can overcome the darkest and foulest of passions with a firm resolve and a total trust in God, the barren, the dry desert of the soul could become a fertile place for the sprouting forth of the grace of God. 
As we discussed on Friday evening, God chooses the least likely ones to manifest himself. The broken and confused. An unwedded virgin. A harlot. Unlettered fishermen. Those who are barren and rejected. The blind. He's chosen you. And he's chosen me. Can we become like barren rocks from which water, the water of life, gushes forth? Are we willing? We also did the full Akathist canon, a beautiful celebratory end to last week. And week after week, we feel that we're coming closer and closer to the glorious resurrection of Christ. Do you feel like you're a little closer to the celebration of the resurrection? Me too. Seems to us that we're moving fast from Sunday to Sunday, as it were, to the day when all horrors and all terrors will have disappeared. And yet, yet, so easily do we forget that before we reach the day of the resurrection, we must, together with Christ, together with his apostles, tread the road of the crucifixion. We heard in today's gospel reading, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him, and spit upon him, and kill him. And after three days he will rise. Sometimes it seems like all we notice is that he will rise. But do we think of the way in which the disciples went to Jerusalem, knowing that the crucifixion was at hand? Or maybe they didn't quite believe it. Maybe they thought he'd pull a fast one on everyone. Right as he was about to be crucified, he'd lay them all low and prove his true power and kingship. Well, we know that the manipulation of man and exercise of power by force is not what true authority is. True authority comes by way of self-giving love. They were moving in fear toward Jerusalem. They were not yet mature enough to be those who would give their lives for the message to be spread. They were moving in fear. When Christ told them that they would go now to Jerusalem, return to the city which had then renounced Christ, put him into danger of his life, they essentially said to him, let us not go. Let's skip Holy Week. Let's go right to Pascha. It doesn't work that way. They wanted the destination without the journey. The glory of sitting at the right hand and the left of Christ, presuming to know what they were asking, yet having no idea what they were asking for. And only one disciple, Thomas, said, do you remember his beautiful words? Let us also go that we may die with him. Let us also go that we may die with him. 
This disciple is the one who perhaps foolishly we call the doubter. The one who is not prepared to give his trust to God, his faith, his life, his blood without certainty. But his heart was unreservedly given to Christ. How wonderful to be such a man. But the other disciples would not desert Christ either. They walked toward Jerusalem in fear. And today, we have another example of one who went through a tragedy before meeting Christ. Today, we specifically commemorate St. Mary of Egypt. I don't know if you all know her story, but I can give you a brief summary of the life of St. Mary of Egypt. No one would have known her story but by God's providence. Well, no one would know anything but by God's providence, it seems. But uh, this blessed man, whom we, whom we call St. Zosimus, ventured out into the wilderness beyond the Jordan, the desert, after having joined a monastery, a remote monastery. And during the practice of this monastery, in the practice of this monastery during the season of the 40 days, the great fast, each of the monks would take a little bit of food and venture out into the wilderness to pray, to fast and pray, and then return after the 40 days. This Zosimus encountered a white-haired figure in the distance, and discerning that it was a holy person, he called out, Holy One of God, wait! And the person greeted him by name. Zosimus, don't draw near for I'm naked, but throw me your mantle, your cape, so that I may cover myself. And he came to know this one as St. Mary of Egypt, who had, from her childhood, lived a life of debauchery, a really hedonistic life, a lewd life, a sinful one, a life of drunkenness, and constant pursuit of pleasure for its own sake. She's, he begged her to tell her story. She said she would almost refuse to pollute the air by telling her story. But he begged her, do us this favor, grace us with your story. So she told him about her upbringing from the time of her youth, living a life of debauchery. And at one point in time, she heard about a group of pilgrims going, traveling to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre to celebrate the Feast of the Cross, the elevation of the precious and life-giving cross. She didn't have any money, but we'll say she entertained her way there, finding herself on a ship or entertaining others along the way so that she could get there. She approached the church with the pilgrims, and as she was entering, it was as if she hit an invisible wall. She couldn't go any further. And as we heard in the hymns last night, automatically her conscience accused her. And she knew why she could not enter. Because she wasn't worthy to enter. She wasn't willing to be unworthy to enter, not yet. 
But the moment she submitted to the accusation of her conscience and looked up and saw the beautiful icon of the Most Pure One, the Mother of God, and begged for her forgiveness that she would grant her entrance into the church, the invisible wall was removed. She entered in and repented. God instructed her to cross the Jordan and find her salvation in the wilderness where she spent 47 years before she was met by St. Zosimus. She told her story to him. One of my favorite moments is where he, realized he was brought to fear when she called him by name. He fell down to the ground and he said, Holy One, bless me. And she goes, No, you bless me. He said, No, you bless me. No, you're a priest. You bless me. I can only imagine them, these two gentle, humble people begging for each other's blessing. Finally, she gave in. More humble, obedient, said a prayer and blessed him. And then they essentially set up a plan for him the following year to come back in the wilderness and give her communion. She anticipated her departure from the earthly life. He came, gave her communion. communion. She departed this earthly life. And he held the story within until it was told to Sophronios, who actually wrote it down, who I believe was one of his disciples. We have the whole story recorded, if you're interested in listening to it. You can find it all over, too. It's published everywhere these days. If you're interested in visiting the canon of repentance, let, let me know, or you can just do a search for it on the internet, and you'll find it, and you can find the life of St. Mary. She was a sinner. She was a harlot, but worse than a harlot. She was unfaithful to God in her soul and in her body. She had no reverence for this body which God had created, and this soul, having completely desecrated the holy temple, that it was created to be, and also drawing others into the sin of desecration of the very image of God. Yet she was tragically confronted with the fact that there was no way for her to enter into the temple of God, the church of the Holy Sepulchre. Unless she rejected evil and chose purity, repentance, and newness of life. One of the things I'll just briefly mention, one of the things so profound about the struggle of St. Mary is that she didn't go to the wilderness and just find peace all of a sudden. Part of her story is that she longed for her old ways. I mean, she was burning and dying. She wanted the wine again. She wanted the embraces. She wanted the music. She wanted it. She could barely contain it, pulling, you know, fighting against it. But she trusted in God, who assured her of her salvation. She could have left the wilderness and returned to her old way, and, but she didn't. But she didn't, and that's one of the reasons why she's such an inspiration. Her struggle was real. Let us reflect on the disciples also who almost begged Christ not to return to Jerusalem 
Because Jerusalem was a city where all the prophets had died. And they did not want Christ to die. And they were afraid. Let's ask ourselves how much we resemble them. Let us ask ourselves freely today, how do we resemble or not Mary of Egypt? Mary, who had lived her life according to her own ways and desires, followed all temptations of her body and soul, and one day realized that as she was, she could not enter the temple of God. So easily do we enter the divine temple, forgetting so easily the church into which we come is a small part of a world that has chosen to be alien to God, that has rejected God, a world that has lost interest in Him. And that the few believers have created a place of refuge. Yes, the church is the fullness of heaven. And at the same time, a tragic place of refuge. The only place where God has a right to be it seems, in this world that's forsaken him because he's wanted here. And when we come here, we enter into the divine realm. We should come into it with a sense of awe, not just walk into it as an earthly, physical space, but walk into it as a space which expands even into the heavens, a place that not only bears witness to, but is already the divine kingdom. If we were in that mood, if we had that understanding, that disposition, then we would come to the doors of the church and we would be, however little, like Mary of Egypt, we might stop for a second and wonder, am I going to be able to pass through this invisible barrier? We would stop and say, how can I come in? And if we did that with our whole heart, brokenheartedly, with a sense of horror of the fact that we're so distant from God, so alien, and so unfaithful to Him, then, then the doors would open, and we would see that we're not simply in a big space, surrounded with walls, but we're in a space which is God's heaven come to earth. Let us therefore learn from this experience what it means to go step by step towards the resurrection. Because in order to reach the resurrection, we must go through Calvary. We must go through the tragedy of Holy Week and make it our own. Partaking with Christ and His disciples and the crowds around in the horror and in the terror of it. And also experience it as a scorching fire that will burn us, in us, all that is unworthy. All that's unworthy of God and make us clean. And perhaps one day when the fire will have burnt everything which is not worthy of God, each of us may become an image of the burning bush, aflame with divine love, divine fire, and not consumed because only that which could survive the fire of God would have remained in us. As for now, in conclusion, let's bring this to consideration. The words of St. Dorotheos of Gaza. We should probably pause, he says, 
we should probably pause and discover where we stand. Have we yet left our fallen city? Have we so much as exited the gate? Have you, like me, advanced, say, several miles and then retraced the same distance in reverse? Have we come so far as the holy city itself, the city of peace? Have we entered its open gate, or do we stand cowering outside, unable, might I say also unwilling, to enter it? End of quote. The only way is to go and to enter the city with him, that we may die with him. Journey with me. Journey with me, beloved ones, through the remaining days of this holy season, step by step with Christ and his apostles. Not complacent, but truly fearful. But not only fearful, but trusting. Allowing our fear and our trust to give way to faith. And placing our faith in God to do in us what we are unable to do ourselves. To overcome death by death. To bring light even to those in Hades. To rend from the hands of the enemy that which is rightfully God's own. All who would ascend with him. By first making that terrible descent by way of humility and love. Amen.